Hey, welcome to the Redeemer Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You know, at Redeemer, we're committed to following Jesus and connecting people to God's transforming love. And I hope that this podcast is just one more way that you connect to God's presence this week. We are beginning 2021 by spending five weeks on prayer. Being a house of prayer is an intentional focus for us this year, and we are looking at how prayer can and should be part of our daily lives. This week, Pastor Adam Barnett takes a look at our call to pray without ceasing and reminds us that this truly means we are to be devoted at all times to an attitude of prayer. So here is week three of House of Prayer from Pastor Adam Barnett. Good morning. Welcome to all of you who are with us online, wherever you are watching right now. Good morning. We sang a moment ago, the Lord is in this place. Do you believe that today? Good. So 62% of you are believing that God, do you believe the Lord is with us in this place? Do you believe the Lord is with you where you're watching right now? Just look to somebody next to you or say it out loud, the Lord is with you today. Come on. It's a joy to be with you in his presence today. We're continuing our series called House of Prayer. I read an incredibly believable quote this week from Evelyn Underhill who said this, the church will win the whole world for Christ when and only when her people are fully immersed in prayer. I believe that. That this church is powerful enough to win over this world for Christ when and only when the Christian faith across the world is fully immersed in prayer. And that got me to thinking, how often am I guilty of devoting my time and my energy to the wrong things? It's quite possible, very possible, to be fully devoted to doing good things for God while simultaneously neglecting communion with Him. I'm guilty. Maybe you can relate. It's easy to be devoted to doing good works for God while simultaneously neglecting communion with him. So in this series and our focus on prayer throughout this entire year, we're calling this church into or back into communion with God through prayer. Today I have the humanly impossible goal of inspiring devotion to prayer. So I'd like to say up front, I'm just the preacher. The Holy Spirit is the one that is going to work in our hearts as usual. The Holy Spirit does the heavy lifting on Sunday mornings. At the end of this message, I'd like to conclude by sharing six words that I believe can lead you to have a vibrant prayer life. So get ready to take notes if you would like to grow in prayer. I believe six words can result in a vibrant prayer life. You don't have to turn to Romans chapter 12 because we're just hitting on a couple of verses today, but here's Romans chapter 12, verse 12. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. Constant in prayer. If you are considering Christianity, maybe you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior at this point in time, but you're considering Christianity, or maybe you're newer in your faith, you've come to know Christ as Lord. Recently, you might be asking this question, what is prayer? It's an overwhelming question. Overwhelming, because for the most part, prayer is a profound mystery. We even read in Scripture, uh, Jesus' disciples ask him, Lord, teach us 
Lord, teach us how to pray. We don't know how to pray. Teach us. I shared this a few weeks ago as I kicked off this series that a famous scientist in 1952 was delivering a very famous speech at Princeton University. And a doctoral student asked this question, what is there left in the entire world for original dissertation research? And the scientist put a lot of thought into it and then replied, somebody must find out more about prayer. I looked at many different definitions of prayer this week, and one of my favorite comes from Millard Erickson, who writes, prayer is more than self-stimulation. It is not a method of creating a positive mental attitude in ourselves. Rather, prayer is in large part a matter of creating in ourselves a right attitude. Prayer, creating a right attitude with respect to God's will. That was last week's sermon. The Lord's prayer, His will, not our will. His will be done. Erickson continues, Jesus taught us persistence in prayer. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Persistent prayer makes it apparent that our petition is important to us as it is to God. What we're called to in Romans chapter 12, verse 12 is this, constant prayer. Constant prayer. Now, I know the Greek is exciting to all of you, so the Greek here means I persist. I persist. I persevere in. I continue steadfast in. And I wait in prayer. So we're called to be persistent in prayer, we're called to persevere in prayer, to remain steadfast in prayer, to wait in times of prayer. A few other places in the New Testament, we find this same word from Romans chapter 12, verse 12. After the ascension of Jesus, the disciples were still in Jerusalem, and we read in Acts 1.14 that with one mind they were continually devoting themselves to prayer. And the earliest Christian converts are described in Acts 2, verse 42. They were continually devoting themselves, continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. In Acts chapter 6, verse 4, the apostles say, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And in Colossians 4, verse 2, Paul insists Devote yourselves to prayer. Be devoted. Keep alert with an attitude of thanksgiving. So the New Testament over and over again drives home this point that a follower of Jesus Christ is one that is devoted to prayer. That word constant, though, is troubling. One of the most intimidating references on constant prayer is 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. You've likely heard it, and if you've heard it, you've struggled with it. Pray without ceasing. This is not suggesting constant, unending, moving of the mouth, expressing prayers to God. If that were the case, you all need to call your boss this week and quit because you need to get back to constant prayer. That's not the case. To be devoted to prayer does not mean that prayer is all that you do. Just like to be a devoted husband to my wife does not mean that I spend every minute of every day of my life with and talking to Andrea. Instead, 
My devotion to Andrea permeates and affects every other arena of my life. It determines how I act, how I interact, what I think, what I do. And this is how we should treat prayer. To be prayerful in our attitudes, to be prayerful in our motivations and our ambitions and our decisions, to be prayerful in our perspectives and our emotions, our frustrations, our concerns, and even our doubts. See, prayer goes beyond the walls of your personal, private prayer closet, and it arrives in every arena of our lives. One author puts it this way, I love this, it is not in the moving of the lips, but in the elevation of the heart to God. The elevation of the heart to God, that the essence of prayer consists. So to live prayerfully, to be a prayerful person, is to deliberately elevate your heart to God in times that are planned, yes, you have that specific time of the day that you dedicate time for communion with God, it's planned, but it's also unplanned. To elevate your heart in times that are scheduled, but also times that are completely spontaneous. Times of joy and times of sorrow. Times early in the morning and times late in the evening. And both individually and corporately. Maybe during your lunch break or while you go on a walk, or when you work out, or as we see in Scripture, kneeling three times a day to draw your heart into communion with God, to elevate your heart, or in the watches of the night, as we see in the book of Psalms. I love when I hear people in our church who wake up in the middle of the night, and their first thought isn't, what's wrong with me, why can't I sleep, or I have to pee. Their thought is, Here's a chance to talk with God. Here's a chance to talk with God before I go back to sleep. As one of the pastors here, it is my job to lovingly encourage you, and that includes to challenge you. So I'm coming after your heels right now. Here's a question for you to ponder. Are you devoted to prayer? Are you devoted to prayer. Now, please hear me loud and clear. I'm not asking, are you devoted enough? Are you devoted? No one can be devoted enough to prayer because none of us could ever pray enough. Am I right? So it's not about being devoted enough. It's not about measuring your prayer life up against the prayer lives of others. By the way, comparison will steal your joy so fast. So please, friends, don't ever look at anyone else, any sibling of the faith, and think, I need to pray like him. I wish I prayed like her. Don't compare. I'm asking you in your own life, are you devoted to prayer? Do you live with an elevated heart to God throughout your day? There are roadblocks when it comes to prayer, and typically when I talk with people, there are some consistent roadblocks that we face. And so I have a few of them that I'd like to ad address right now, and I made them rhyme, because I always think that's easier to memorize. And I realized I'm a poet and didn't know it. How long should I pray? What time of the day, and what do I say? 
Three very common questions. How long am I supposed to pray? Is five minutes enough or does God want hours of my day? What time of the day should I pray? Early, middle of the day or night? And you know what? When it comes down to it, sometimes I don't even know what to say. I make the time and I make the space in my schedule and I sit down and I don't even know how to start. So what do I say in prayer? So these three questions can create interference in our prayer lives. So let's look at them today. Number one, question number one, how long should I pray? I do encourage your prayer life to be intentional and unrushed. I do. And treat that time as sacred time. Our worship pastor, Leanne, led us in a prayer exercise this week as a staff. And you know what she said? There is no time and there is no space that is unsacred. All time is sacred because God is moving all the time. And all spaces are sacred because God is at work in all spaces. So treat your prayer time as sacred time and be intentional. But what I want to do today is challenge all of us to take just one step, just one step forward in our prayer life. So I'm talking to you right now if you don't pray. If you don't pray, if you don't have a discipline in your life to pray, I'm just challenging you, pray for one minute. Pray for one minute out of your day. Dedicate one minute to communion with God. Last week, you heard a sermon on the Lord's Prayer. So if you don't pray right now, start tomorrow by waking up and kneeling by the side of your bed and just praying the Lord's Prayer. If you've never heard it, Google it. I promise you're going to find it. Print it out and try praying for one minute. If you pray for one minute a day, I challenge you, try five. Just try five. If you pray for five minutes right now a day, try try to pray for 10 minutes. And if you pray for 10 minutes right now, try half an hour. And then over time, maybe that half hour will grow to 45 minutes, which will grow to an hour. And then you don't even know it, but you're spending hours in fellowship and communion with the Father. I love what Martin Luther said. I have so much to do. I have so much. Can you relate? Just nod your head. You can relate to to Martin Luther right now. You're busy people. I get it. He said, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours of my day in prayer. He's so busy. He couldn't imagine starting his day unless he started it in prayer. So at the same time, as I challenge you right now and ask you to increase and show a little more discipline and a little more intentionality around your prayer life, I also want to say this especially to my recovering legalist in the room. Don't be legalistic with this. Don't be legalistic. I got to get to know God better because my pastor said I need to be, be praying for hours every day. Nope, that's not what I just said. Just a little bit more. I'm just challenging you to take one slight step forward in your prayer life, but don't be legalistic. Let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you into deeper communion and fellowship with the Father. This is about elevating our hearts, not checking the box, and not setting a timer. Please hear me there. This is elevating our hearts, not checking a box, and not setting a timer. Some of our shortest prayers can be some of our most powerful and our most meaningful. When we lean into God, when we cry out for help, Before I preach any time, I don't pray this enormous five-hour prayer. I'm sorry if that disappoints you. I stand backstage and I simply say, Lord, this is from 1 Peter 4. Lord, as I 
serve these people today. Let me do so with the strength that you provide for me. And as I speak, let me speak as if I'm sharing the very utterances of God's heart so that in all things I say and do today, Christ Jesus may be glorified forever and ever. Short, but powerful. Simple, but meaningful. The more we elevate our hearts to the Father throughout life, the question isn't, how long do I have to pray? The question is, how long do I have to pray? Not how can I squeeze this in, but how long do I get to enjoy fellowship with my Father? Question number two, what time of the day? Well, an elevated heart is, is in tune with the Holy Spirit throughout our entire day. There's not a bad minute to pray. If you say you like to pray at 2.05 p.m., Nobody's ever going to say, well, that's stupid. Why would you do that? 205 is a dumb choice. There's no bad time to talk to God. However, there's something special about starting your day in prayer because it becomes foundational for the rest of your day. David modeled this in Psalm 5.3. He said, O oh Lord, in the morning, in the morning you hear my voice. And Jesus, in Mark chapter 1, we read that he got up early, the Bible says, while it was still dark, and he went away on his own to make time and space to be intentional to start his day in communion with the Father. I know there are some of you among us, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but you think morning people are just ridiculous. I get it. You're a night owl. You're a night owl, and you think people who get up when it's still dark, they just, they're ridiculous. I'm just challenging you. Turn Netflix off. Get off the internet. Get off of social media. Turn your phone off. Turn the TV off. Put the book down, whatever it is. Just go to bed earlier. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Just go to bed earlier. Wake up earlier. Start your day in prayer. Question number three. What do I say? That's a great question. What do I say on days that I don't know how to pray? First of all, please don't mirror your prayer life after anyone else's. God wants you to be you when you pray. I have a friend who likes to begin his day by saying, good morning, daddy. I have another friend who refers to God as, as Mr. God. He says, good morning, Mr. God. God welcomes you praying however you are most comfortable praying on the greatest of days and also the ugliest. He can take it all. He just wants it to be genuine and not imitation. That is, of course, except for the Lord's Prayer. We certainly want to imitate Christ. I was a college pastor for six years, and I probably had thousands of conversations one-on-one -on -one with young students in our ministry over those six years. One of my favorite things in life is the privilege of leading someone to faith in Jesus Christ. Certainly, it's the Holy Spirit who does so, but to play a part in that is such a gift, a priceless moment in life. Many students had a hard time and they had many difficult questions and they would reach out and we would have many coffees and lunches working through their difficult questions. One in particular 
after multiple meetings where he was saying, I'm not ready, I don't understand this, I don't believe this yet, it sounds good, but I'm not ready, he finally calls and he says, Adam, I'm ready. I believe the gospel is true. I believe that what you've been telling me is true. I can actually see how God has been at work in my life. And I don't even know him as my Lord. So I said, well, come on over. So he came over and we got together and he said, I just don't know what to do to be saved. So, well, thankfully, you don't have to do anything but believe. Jesus already did everything. But then he said, well, what do I say? Here's this question. What do I say to be saved? And I told him, you know, sometimes you could repeat a prayer after someone, and it's not that those words are magical in any way, that you have to say a specific phrase in order for Jesus to welcome you into God's family, but those words represent the posture of your heart before the Lord. And so you could, I could sit here and pray, and you could recite this prayer after me, and that'd be wonderful. But I don't know why, prompted by the Holy Spirit, maybe I said, why don't you just pray? Why don't you just say to God whatever you want to say? And he was nervous, trembling. So I took his hands, calmed him down. I said, why don't we just bow our heads and you just say to God what's on your heart. Just give him your life. Bowed our heads. His prayer of salvation contained at least three cuss words. Not kidding. I'm holding his hands. I'm like looking up, peeking at him. Is this really happening right now? And some of you just heard that and you go, oh, where is the reverence? How dare he pray a prayer of salvation without reverence before the Lord? My friends, what could we expect? His sanctification process had not begun yet. Am I right? So as he finished his prayer, I remember I was in tears because I thought God is so pleased right now. God is thrilled. God is smiling down on this young man, not because of some beautiful, eloquent, church-written prayer that you would find in a book of worship, but it was genuine. This was an authentic prayer from a man surrendering, relinquishing his life to the Father. It was not polished. It wasn't imitated. It wasn't memorized. It was authentic and raw. Here is my heart, Lord. God, I surrender. I believe. I say that you are my Lord. Here is my heart. And a couple cuss words too. And I think God was saying, bring it all. Bring it all and let's begin the rest of your story together. I mentioned earlier that I would conclude by sharing six simple words that I believe have the power to produce a vibrant prayer life for you. What do we say when we don't know what to pray, here they are. Number one is wow. Wow. This is adoration. God, you are holy. God, you are awesome. God, you are worthy of my praise. God, I'm in awe. I stand in awe. I'm speechless at who you are. Number two is sorry. Confession. Repentance. Lord, you see my sins, and I do too. I know I'm a sinner. You see my struggle. I don't want to live this way anymore. Please forgive me for my sin. Number three is thanks. Thanksgiving, our hearts overflowing with gratitude. God, thank you for your love. God, thank you for my family. God, thank you for my health. And so on and so on. Number four, please. Petition, intercession for one another. God, I'm asking you for healing. 
I'm asking you to restore this relationship. I'm praying for my son, my daughter, my parent, my sibling. Please provide for me, God. Number five is yes. Surrender. Yes, God, your will be done in my life. Whatever you ask, I say yes, here I am. Completely yielding to him. And then we finish with number six. Amen and amen and amen. May it be so, Lord. So here's the amazing thing about these focuses in prayer. They're all in Scripture. You can open your Bible and you see a posture of prayer through, wow, Lord, and I'm sorry, God, and thank you, Father, and please, Lord, and then yes, God, yes, yes. These are all biblical. So we're going to finish today by praying together. I'm going to lead us through a prayer time where I will be praying, not my own words, but I'm going to be praying the Word of God. I'm praying the Word of God, therefore this is sacred space and sacred time, speaking God's Word as our prayer. And so here's my challenge to you during this time. Much like I'm saying, if you pray one minute, try five. I'm going to say right here in this space, in this time, choose a posture. Choose a posture in this time of prayer. This is sacred space. Do whatever you'd like. If you want to lay down on the floor or take a knee and kneel, do it. As I begin praying, if you would like to stand and just reach a hand up to heaven, do it. If you just want to sit with your head bowed and hold out your hands, do it. I'm just challenging you right now as we enter into this time of prayer to physically lead your physical body into a posture of submission as we pray. So join me. Let's pray the word of the Lord as our prayer this morning. Father, we say, wow. Wow. We come and we bow down and worship you. Lord, we kneel before you, our maker. We declare with all of heaven and earth to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory forever and ever. We exalt you, Lord, and we worship at your footstool. You are holy. We praise you, O oh God. We praise you in this sanctuary. We praise you for your mighty deeds and according to your greatness. We say, wow. Father, we say sorry. Lord, your word promises that if we confess our sins, you're faithful and you are just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Holy God, we know that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it is a sinner. We receive your promise today that when we confess our sin, we receive mercy. We acknowledge our sin to you and we do not cover up our iniquity. We are sorry, Lord. Please forgive us. Father, we say thanks. We give thanks in all circumstances for this is your will in Christ Jesus. We give thanks to you, Lord, for you are good and your steadfast love endures forever. Because of your righteousness, Lord, we thank you 
and we sing praises to the name of the Lord, you who are the Most High. We give thanks always for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for your faithfulness to provide our daily bread. Lord, we know every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from you. We say thanks. Father, we say please. Through prayer and supplication, we make our requests known to you. We know that you hear us in whatever we ask. So with confidence, we draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy in our time of need. Hear us, O Lord. We're in great need. Please help. Establish our steps in your word. And Lord, let your compassion quickly meet our needs because we are on the brink of despair. Father, we say yes. Lord, we submit to you and resist the devil. We do not conform to this world, but we are transformed by the renewal of our minds. We humble ourselves before you, God. We present ourselves as living sacrifices. This is our spiritual act of worship. We deny ourselves and take up our crosses, and we follow you. We are the temple of your Holy Spirit. We have no authority here. You have bought us with a price. We know, O oh Lord, that our ways are not found within, but it is you who directs our steps. We trust in you. We do not lean on our own understanding. And if you say, whom shall I send? We will say, us, Lord. Here we are, send us. For we have been crucified with Christ. We don't live, but it is Christ who lives in us. So the life we now live in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God. We say, Father, Son, and Spirit, wow, and sorry, and thanks, and please, and yes. And we say amen, and amen, and amen. May it be so, Lord. Once again, thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church podcast. To stay connected to all that God is doing here at Redeemer, visit our website at RedeemerTulsa.org or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a blessed week.